Welcome everyone to another episode of Stat Stories. I'm Chad Shanks. And I'm Justin Kabatko. The NBA today is chock full of young talent, but which of these young players are worth investing in? We're going to play the market in episode 19, The Big Shot. All right, so here's the premise. We're going to look at some of the NBA's best young talent, all who are 22 or under for at least a portion of the 2016-17 season, with the idea that we own stock in the player and we need to decide right now if we want to buy, sell, or hold that stock based on what we've seen from them so far. Now, while I'd prefer to spend an hour or so discussing how we as a society have basically commodified human beings for our own entertainment purposes, I've been told many times that no one wants to hear my bitter existential rants. So instead, we're going to keep the whole stock thing as a silly metaphor, and Justin and I will each make a decision on the players that we bring up and then defend our choice. Now, one thing I have learned is that if you're going to be talking stocks with the general public, you have to sexy it up a little bit to keep people interested. And unlike the movie The Big Short, which serves as the inspiration for episode's title, we can't exactly work Margot Robbie in a bathtub into this podcast as much as I've tried. But what we can do if Justin's on board, we can go all Jim Cramer mad money with this and we can we can yell a lot and have some wacky sound effects, huh? Justin, what do you think? Let's let's abandon our normal, just calm, collected demeanor and our normal, just boring delivery, and we'll just scream. We'll just sell, sell, sell. Animal noise, animal noise. Siren, siren, siren. Huh? What do you think? So your your list of bad ideas is lengthy, and you've had some really bad ones. So I wouldn't put this at the top of that list, but no, we're not we're not doing that. So I can't just scream, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Don't buy, don't buy. Don't buy, don't buy. You're welcome to to go through this and, and you know, scream and yell as much as you want. I, I probably will remain my calm, cool, collected self throughout. So as much as screaming about stocks has worked in the past as being a successful entertainment venue, maybe not so much in uh, giving people sound advice, as uh, John Stewart pointed out so infamously, uh, we'll just let's keep it the way that we normally do. If I happen to add some sound effects in post, then you know, we'll just we'll just go with it. Sound good? Excellent. So let's start. First player. This one, just to kind of get us rolling, we're gonna go with maybe the easiest decision of the bunch. This guy turns 22 in November. He's a 21-year-old dominating the league. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns, first pick in the 2015 NBA draft. Uh, this guy is pretty much a no-brainer. Uh, he had 50 double-doubles in his rookie season. Uh, here's a list of players who have also done that as rookies. 50 double-doubles. Blake Griffin, Tim Duncan, Shaq, Dikembe, The Admiral, Akeem The Dream, Ralph Sampson, Cowens, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he's already, as a rookie, being thrown thrown in with some pretty big, pretty admirable names, uh, depending on what you think of Blake Griffin. But those other ones, no debate. And he's followed it up as a sophomore, averaging 24 points a game, 12 rebounds, putting him in the company of Shaq, the Admiral, Bob McAdoo, Kareem, Elvin Hayes. You know, So he's already, he's proving that he wasn't just a, a rookie sensation he's following it up and i think 
is there any other young player whose stock you'd, you'd want to buy in the league right now? No, if I was ordering my stocks, or <laughs> these are players. <laughs> if I was ordering the players in terms of... Uh, it's uh, a metaphor. We've already said yes, it's a yes, metaphor. So if I was ordering them in terms of the, the one I'd want to, to, to buy first, yeah, Towns would, would be at the top of my list. And, and so one of, the, one of the stats you didn't mention that to me was really incredible so he not only scores and rebounds but he does so very efficiently now this year his field goal percentage is over 50 percent i think it's like 54 percent his free throw percentage is over 80 percent no second year player in history has ever averaged 20 and 10 while shooting 50 percent from the field and 80 percent from the line so he's he's potentially going to do probably going to do something no other second year player has ever done and, yeah, and, and oh, by the way, he's seven feet, two hundred and forty-four pounds. Can shoot three pointers. Can rebound like a, like a beast. I mean, he's just just an incredible player. Yeah, and if you add that three-point shooting in, that he's hitting just about one over one a game. You add that in, he's putting up lines that no one in his age has ever done because he's he's giving you something everywhere. So, like, yeah, even if you extend the the a our age range out a little bit to players under twenty-five or so, I, I mean putting you on the spot a little bit but can you think is there anyone else young player you'd rather buy stock in than carl anthony Towns? i don't think there's anybody in the game i don't think there's anybody in the game yeah even like uh giannis who i i am in love with and i think is going to be a superstar like even carl anthony towns just is the complete package for someone that's only 21 years old and yeah think about he's probably the best offensive center in the nba and he's just 21 years old yeah, and you have um, everyone decrying the death of the big man and that it's now a guard league, and then Carl Anthony Towns comes in, and it's just a throwback to that to that era of the 90s and just well, but, showing it, but you what you can accomplish he, with the big guy. He's not exactly a throwback, though, because he, he has the he's thread of threes. the three-pointer. I mean, he's just... Yeah. He's just... Uh, well, and you know... Yeah, so you're bringing up big men. I mean, a lot of these guys we're going to talk about are big men, and I'm not... I would not be uh, so quick to to mourn the death of the big man. I, I don't don't think it's happening anytime soon. It's just yeah. it's going to be a different kind of big man, but the big man is not going anywhere. Okay, since we just talked about Towns, why don't we, why don't we stay with the Timberwolves because they have a number of interesting young players, and let's look at one of uh, Towns' teammates, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins is a six eight, hundred ninety nine pound small forward. Third year in the league. Believe it or not, he just turned 22 on February 23rd, so still very young. He's averaging a little over 23 points per game this season. But there are some things I do not really like about Wiggins. Um, One thing is that while his effective field goal percentage, so his field goal percentage after making the adjustment for the extra point provided by the three-point shot, his effective field goal percentage is still below average. It's 49%. League average is about 51.5%. Um, and one thing that really concerns me is his free throw rate, which I compute as free throw attempts per 100 field goal attempts. And that's gone way down for him. Last year, he was at around 44 free throw attempts for every 100 field goal attempts. This year, it's dropped to about 34. So for some reason, he's getting to the line a lot less and I don't know if it has something to do with the coaching change. Maybe Thibodeau's system is is having some effect on him. But but that's concerning to me, especially a guy who 
has the size and athleticism that he has. I, I don't understand why he's not getting to the line more. Um, also, other things, like he just doesn't rebound much. He doesn't really get a lot of steals. He doesn't really get a lot of blocks. Advanced stats like um, ESPN's real plus minus suggest that he's a very poor defender. Um, and so to me, what you have here is a guy who, who really is the type of guy that I don't like because he's a volume scorer, but he's not an efficient scorer, and he really doesn't give you anything else. And so... My choice for him, and this does not mean I think he's a bad player, but my choice for him would be to sell. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah. Uh, so the, my thing with Wiggins, like it, when I think of Wiggins, like you said, can you believe you know he's just turned 22 years old? Because it seems like he's been hyped forever, right? He was hyped as his next superstar even when he was in high school. Before he had played a game, he was, you know, big news with the trade for Kevin Love, and it just seemed you kind of forget that he still is that young. Um, the effective field goal percentages is a problem. He is not an efficient scorer, like you said, um, but he's still averaging over 20 points a game. And the only list of few of the players who have a lower effective field goal percentage than him that are averaging 20 a game this year, Eric Bledsoe, Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan, John Wall, and of course, Russell Westbrook, who's about the least efficient scorer that there is, but those I mean, guys these are all some, still, some of those guys get to the line a lot more though. Yeah, these are all still players. Like we name them out. Like yeah, you're gonna want these guys on your team. But the yeah, not getting to the line for someone who is a primary scoring threat and doesn't give you much else. I mean that's that's a problem. That's that's a big problem. But so I'm looking back. I'm at someone who he kind of compares to just physically if not anything else like if you look at Kevin Durant's numbers his first few seasons like he was a horribly inefficient scorer right he had a like a 45 EFG in his rookie season so that kind of gives you a little bit of hope but the difference is Durant improved much faster I was gonna say he took and, a major leap in years two and three and we not had just have not seen that with Wiggins yeah, and with like Wiggins scoring has gone up about three points a game each season, you know, and he's never going to be Kevin Durant. He does that. That's a hard comparison to say any player is going to be the next Kevin Durant. But the thing that gives me hope is the way that Towns has just burst onto the scene and has already taken the reins. Like the Timberwolves are Towns' team. Like he is, he is their star. And I think if you can have Wiggins continue to mature as a you know, even if it's just a scoring piece, that he he can be a good complementary piece to the Wolves. And once they start winning, which they really haven't done yet, but considering their age, you know, give them a season or two. Once they start winning, I don't think his flaws are going to be as much of an issue. So while I see your, I see your point, and I could kind of go that way. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold on Wiggins to give him a little bit more time because I think the core building those two together, I think Towns' is, Towns game is going to kind of overshadow some of Wiggins' shortcomings. But you're going to so end gonna, up you're going to end up paying him like a superstar. And he may never reach that level. I don't think he will reach that level. Yeah, well, it's the NBA. It's the yeah. NBA these days, man. Everyone's getting paid as a superstar. True. Um All right, so I want to I want to transition to kind of a similar issue. Player who is scoring like crazy, scoring really well for someone his age, but doesn't really give you much else, and that's uh, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. 
he is still just 20 years old in his second season. It won't turn 21 until October. So he struggled initially as a 19-year-old rookie, but really lit it up at, at the end of the season. And now this season, he's kept it going. He's the first Sun sophomore to average 20 points a game since Amare. And he has the most 25-point games as a Sun sophomore since KJ in the 88-89 season. So he's performing for Phoenix in a way that we haven't seen a player at that stage do. But like we said, he doesn't provide much in the way of assists or rebounds. And he isn't particularly an accurate three-point shooter. With uh, He has the third lowest effective field goal percentage among players with 20 points per game this season. So it's something I'd like to see a bit higher for someone who really only contributes points. You know, where you have someone like Westbrook, whose effective field goal percentage is much lower, but he makes up for it with all the other things that he does. Also, he has an alarmingly low field goal percentage around the basket and in the paint. So I was looking at his shot chart on StatMuse. In the paint, he's barely above 50%. Um, so if you're going to be a scorer like that and you can't finish around the basket and have a, just a, a meh three-point shot, you know how are you supposed to thrive in today's NBA just based on the mid-range game? You know Even DeMar DeRozan is better around the basket like that. Um, Booker also has the lowest true shooting percentage of any player with 20 points per game this season. And so while this is all kind of the sky is falling in, in Phoenix, or the sun is falling, boom, boom, drum sound effect, um, he's still just 20 years old. He's averaging 20 points a game in a season as a 20-year-old. So with Devin Booker, even kind of the same thing with Wiggins, even with all of these obvious flaws in his game, I'm going to... I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold on Devin Booker. We gotta he we gotta give him a couple more years, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm inclined to, to do the same thing to hold. Um, just piggybacking on what you were saying, and this is similar to Wiggins. The, the thing I don't like about Booker at this point is that all of his value is tied up in his scoring. He's not really doing any other thing on offense to to really help your team out. So, like a stat like offensive rating, which is looking at the estimated points produced per 100 individual possessions okay so that takes into account scoring it takes into account passing it takes into account turnovers it takes into account offensive rebounding okay and then it, it also takes into account into account the number of opportunities so his offensive rating is only 102.7 which is not really good in fact there have been 11 guys who've averaged 20 points per game as a 20 year old Booker has the worst offensive rating in that group. So, yeah. and but you know, it's also a pretty elite group. So, yeah, and, and being 20 years old, he's still, you know, a couple years younger than Wiggins. And these Suns teams have, are just okay. They're not, I mean, they're kind of fun to watch, but they're not really good teams. Um, I, I'd like to give him a chance and see what he can do. So I'm going to be with you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold that uh, that stock. Well, let's, let's move back now to... to to some big men. And one guy I'd like to take a look at is a second year guy out in Indiana named Miles Turner. So Turner is a 6'11", 243 pound center. He is still 20 years old. He will not be 21 until later this month. So youth is on his side. He has made huge strides this season. He's averaging 15 points per game, seven rebounds per game and two blocks per game. He's shooting 51% from the floor, almost 52%, 36% about from three-point range, 80% from the free-throw line. So all solid, especially for a guy that big to be shooting that well from 
three-point range. Um, there are numerous positive offensive indicators with him. His effective field goal percentage is up compared to his rookie season. His free throw rate is way up. It's gone from like 23 per 100 uh, field goal attempts to 37 per 100 field goal attempts. His assist percentage is up. His turnover percentage is down. Um, advanced stats suggest he's a decent defender. He's a pretty good defender, actually. And add it all up on offense, his offensive rating is improved by almost 13 points per 100 possessions. So to me, Turner is a hidden gem. He is a buy, buy, buy. Buy, buy, buy! Yeah. Um, no, no question about where you're heading with that one. Um, let me tell you everything I remember about Miles Turner from his rookie season. That's it. Like, nothing. And I think part of that has to do with he's playing in Indiana, which is a team that really no one is paying attention to right now. So he's kind of flown under the radar. So you look at the previous two sophomores who've averaged 15 points and two blocks. Uh, it was Anthony Davis and Tim Duncan. Not, not bad company to be in as a big man. And it's been 10 years since Indiana's had that type of a scoring defense combo since uh, Jermaine O'Neal, who really isn't a bad comparison to him. Um, O'Neal scored a little bit more, but less efficiently. So I think if you're going to tell me right now, like in Indiana, you've got your 11th overall pick in the 2015 draft is going to turn into the equivalent of Jermaine O'Neal, but with maybe can extend his game a little bit more. Yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to, I'll, I'll buy that every day. So yeah, Miles Turner is a buy. Um, a no-brainer buy, maybe the best value buy among young the young players because, like I said, I don't. Who's talking about Miles Turner right now outside of Indianapolis? Well, so it's interesting you bring that up. You don't really follow college basketball, right? Not really because it's terrible. It's not terrible, but anyway, yeah, so they stand they stand at the twenty eight foot line and just throw the ball back and forth for thirty seconds, and that, then this is, like, that's, oh, a, well, that's I guess another we podcast if now. you want to do that. Just okay, let's move on. We're talking about Miles Mar- Turner. So anyway, Miles, March Madness, baby. When Miles Mer- Miles Mer- when Miles Turner went to Texas, he had a lot of hype, and they thought he was you know he's going to be the next big thing. He's the next Durant, and his freshman season at Texas was just kind of okay. It was good, not great. He didn't really set the world on fire. And so I think that's why kind of he he went into the shadows a little bit. And, you know, he comes out of his freshman year. Like you said, he goes 11th in the draft. And so people kind of forgot about him. But I think after this season and what I think he's going to do in future seasons, he will be remembered very quickly. Yeah. Well, let's transition to another big man who's setting the NBA on fire right now. Uh, Nikolai Jokic of the of the Nuggets, and I looked up how to pronounce his name, and I've listened to people, but I still feel like I'm I'm butchering it. Jokic, Jokic, Jokic. So the big Serbian wasn't super impressive as a rookie, even though he gave you a decent 10 and 7 as a second-round pick, which you get that from a second-round pick, that's great. Seemed to follow that narrative with slight bumps in his second season, but then he is just, he exploded in January with uh, 23 points, 11 rebounds a game. Um, that hadn't been done since a, by sophomores since Shaq in 94. But coincidentally, Carl Anthony Towns also matched him that month. So, you know, be more impressive if he is the only one. But he and Towns, he's right there with Towns, who we say is, you know, the, the biggest no-brainer buy that there is. 
kept that going, racked up three triple-doubles in February, four triple-doubles on the season. He's just the fifth center to do that in a season since the merger via at Jay Kabatko on Twitter. I was say, where'd you and, get that fact? And he's the first sophomore with four in a season since LeBron. So anytime you're getting compared to LeBron in just about any way, that's a good thing. My, one, my worry with, with him right now is because it's been just such an explosion in such a short period of time. Like I'm wondering to myself, is this guy just having a major hot streak for, for a couple of games or for a month and a half now or whatever it is? Is this really who he is or is he overperforming for a little bit and he's going to settle back down and the truth is somewhere there in the middle? So I'm, I'm tempted to go on a hold with him just to see how, how this is going. But anytime you have a 22, just turned 22, so he's 21 doing a lot of this, a 21-year-old center getting that many triple-doubles on a Nuggets team that, let's be honest, hasn't had any of their uh, prospects really work out in the last couple seasons. Emmanuel Moutier. So, yeah, if I'm a Nuggets fan especially, I mean, you gotta you got to buy this guy, right? Do you think this is, is it just a fluke or is this, this recent explosion is that who he really is no i think it's i think it's who he is and i think last year they really held him back in terms of minutes and so i think you need to maybe look at other things other than per game stats because his per game numbers are going to be affected by how often he plays um and just just the strides he's made this year his his effective field goal percentage is way up it's up like almost eight percentage points and his offensive rating is up and his assist percentage has climbed like 10 percentage points i mean he just has an all-around game and he's becoming more efficient and he's actually taking on a larger role in the offense his usage rate is higher than it was as a freshman by about three percentage points uh as a rookie freshman (laughs) um so because we were thinking about college you know i got freshmen on the mind um so yeah, I'm 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 probably more positive about about the buy than you are, but yeah, I mean definitely buy for me. Buy buy buy. Let's move from one big man to another guy I think who should have a permanent home as a big man, and that is Aaron Gordon. So Gordon is a 6'9", 220-pound forward. I'm going to call him a forward because really he's been used at small forward and power forward this year. He is 21, won't turn 22 until September. So, as with all these players, youth on his side. There's been something funky with him this year because he showed a lot of improvement from his rookie year to his second year. And now this is third season. He's regressed in a lot of areas. Um, His effective field goal percentage is back to where it was as his rookie, which is around 48% right now. He took His offensive rating is just fallen off dramatically I think he's lost about nine points per 100 possessions on his offensive rating Um, and he's also seen dips in his free throw rate and his block percentage which are really concerns because he's an extremely athletic player you've seen him in the dunk contest if you've watched him play he's extremely athletic and so you wonder you know getting to the free throw line blocking shots these are considered often considered to be like characteristics of athletic players and he's seen really big declines in those areas to me, it comes down to one thing, though, and that is, was he being used the right way? And I don't think he was. I think he was being played out of position as a small forward. He is not a shooter. He is not a guy who's going to put up a bunch of three-point shots. He's not going to be 
uh, a guy who's a hugely efficient scorer. And I think putting him at small forward really did not take, make the best use of his abilities. Now that Serge Ibaka's gone, he can spend more time at power forward. I would looked. He's played about 50%, 57% of his minutes with Ibaka this year. And so when those guys were on the floor together, I think for the most part, Gordon was, was playing the three instead of the four. And I don't think that's his position. And so I'm going to reluctantly hold on to his stock. I think that if they figure out the right way to use him, he's going to be a very valuable player. He's never going to be, I don't think, a star, but he will be a very good player. He has potential to be a very good player on good teams. Yeah, I get what you're saying about his minutes and his the way he's being used and stuff. But when I think of him now, the first thing that pops in my head is Harold Miner. I thought you were going to say drones or something. Isaiah Ryder. Like, yes, you were incredible in the dunk contest. That The one that he won it with, you know, tucking it under his legs or whatever, was one of the more memorable in, in recent memory. Freak athleticism. But what has he really shown apart from that? His rebounding has dropped. I think you you mentioned a little bit about his season this year. His rebounding has dropped to he's it's under five a game. Like you can't be a starting power forward and have and only grab four or five rebounds. Oh, that's but a that's game. that's where you're wrong. He was not. He was playing out of position. He was playing a small forward role for the most for most of this year. Yeah. Well, but even so, if he's a small forward, even then, so he should be scoring a little bit more, right? He's, but he, had, he's not a great shooter. He's, so, had, two, yeah, he's had two 30-point games, a couple 20s, but overall just extremely inconsistent. And maybe that – maybe you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, you, you may be right about you know clearing out Ibaka might be good for him. Even with Ibaka gone, you still got Vucevic clogging the paint in Orlando. So I don't know how that's – I mean, maybe it'll help him a little bit, but it's not going to completely change it. I I think his his ceiling, his absolute ceiling is a Draymond Green type. You know, that's a pretty control. good ceiling. That's, I know, but that's uh, I don't like that's a good ceiling, but that you like you're not going to he's not going to be uh the big scoring power forward. He's not going to be a you know, your Malone Barkley something like that. He'll never be that. He I, yeah, could but be that's, a good That's not why. I mean, I wouldn't I never even would suggest he could become something like that. But I'm saying it, he it, could be a good complementary piece to one or two other big stars picking up, you know, rebounds, putbacks, dunks here and there. Uh he definitely does not have the skill set of a Draymond Green or something like that, but I'm just saying that that's the best possible thing I think he could be. And he's to me, he's nothing close to that. I haven't seen anything with him that proves to me that he's anything more than a super athletic guy who can just jump out of the building. But as far as an overall player, I don't, you may be right, and I may end up having to apologize for this later. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell. I'm gonna sell Aaron Gordon. Sell, sell, sell. Can dunk like a mother, but congrats, you're you're Harold Miner, you're Isaiah Ryder. Like there's no. That that that's who he is to me at the moment. So, but you talked about let's go, let's keep it with the same theme of uh, guys kind of that can fit into multiple different positions. And let's go, let's go to New York and talk Chris Stapps. Let's talk the uh, the Porzing God, the uni- the unicorn. Uh, he turns twenty two in August. Um, someone who had bust written all over him. 
and to me has far outlived what uh, people originally thought he would be. Um, he's one of just three players to put up his combination of points, rebounds, blocks, and threes as a sophomore. The other one being, of course, Carl Anthony Towns, who is amazing, and Lamar Odom back in the day before he became more known for being a reality star. He's seven foot three inches and can kind of do what, what he does, but he needs to up his rebounds for someone that big, which will come, I think, with age and bulking up a little bit. Like, I see a lot of similarities to young Yao Ming, you know, who, who bulked up and got his boards up in addition to combining a little more aggression with his finesse, which I think we can see um, Porzingis start to do in the future. So, I think... I think I'm a, I'm a moderate buy on him right now, and the only reason I'm not a just complete 100% buy on him is I'm trying to imagine what he could accomplish with a franchise that's not completely dysfunctional in every way, shape, yeah, or form. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, you're, you're playing with Carmelo Anthony and Derrick Rose. That cannot be easy. And you've also got the front office stuff that's just a distraction to everybody. I mean... And he's also, I think he's probably in a delicate position because he really should be the focal point for this team now. But Carmelo still thinks it's his team. And Derrick Rose still thinks he can get back to being the MVP that he was. And, and that's got to be rough. I mean, I think what he's doing this year, given all the chaos around him, is incredible. And I would, you sound a little bit hesitant to be a buy on him. I am not. Buy Porzingis. Buy, buy, buy! Yeah, I think, yeah, I... He's coming into the league with a physical attributes and skill set that we hardly ever see in any players, and he has proven what he's capable of. But organizational stability plays a big part in how these young players develop, right? So you see, like in the NFL, you get drafted by the Cleveland Browns, you're just like, ah, crap. Like, it's where prospects go to die. And we've seen in recent years the Knicks have become kind of like the the Cleveland Browns of the NBA, where they either we, that's you don't know like are they drafting poorly, or is once they get a good prospect, do they just come in there and fizzle out because the organization is so backwards? They're not drafting. They're, not they're have to draft. Develop. I think they're they, yeah, they've traded all their picks. I yeah, say, like, I, I think they drafted yeah. okay. The the free agent signings not so much. Yeah, and so is, are they eventually going to hand over the reins to Porzingis and say, all right, we need to build a team around this guy, kind of like the Rockets did with Yao Ming and traded away you know, Francis for in Mobley and got a good player to compliment him. Of course, getting Tracy McGrady, maybe not the best example because you're getting one of the best scorers of the generation, but still, like the same kind of premise. Like, Are the Knicks going to have the wherewithal to actually say, this is the guy we're going to build our team around. And even if they're going to keep Carmelo, um, which that, I mean, that whole situation is a mess, but even if they're going to, if they keep Carmelo and have to figure out how to get them to work together to where the ball is going to go through Porzingis before it goes through Carmelo, who knows if they're going to be able to pull that off. But as far as skills, potential, I mean, as long as he can stay healthy, which, you know, these big men don't, always have a tendency to do sky's the limit with Przingis. you know he's he's the unicorn he's the real deal i just hope the knicks don't completely screw it up all right so before we move on one one quick piece of trivia here 
How many? Ooh, you're asking me a trivia. Yeah, question? I'm gonna ask you a trivia question. Oh, this never goes well for me. How many second-year players have made a hundred three-pointers and blocked a hundred shots in a season? Um, I mean, my first answer is none before Porzingis. Ding 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 um, ding ding ding. Well, not Porzingis. Yeah. No, none is the correct answer. Porzingis, oh, he hasn't done it yet. He needs one more three. Okay, so, so it's he he will foregone conclusion. Well, as long as he doesn't hit, get hit by a bus in New York today, he should become the uh, first second-year player ever to have 100 three-pointers made, and 100 blocks in a season. It's Chris Stapps Porzingis. He can't walk around the streets of New York. He's going to be mobbed by all his adoring Latvian fans in Manhattan. All right, let, let's skip from one coast to another. So let's go from the East Coast to the West Coast. Let's go all the way out to L.A., and let's talk about D'Angelo Russell. Now, I'm going to put this out front early. I have a D'Angelo Russell bias. I saw him play about a dozen games when he was here as a freshman at Ohio State because I'm an Ohio State season ticket holder. And so really liked watching him play. Uh, and so, yeah, I have a bias. Anyway, D'Angelo is a six foot five, 195-pound point guard. He just turned 21, February 23rd. Still has youth on his side. Averaging about 15 points, five assists per game. Uh, some real quick things on D'Angelo. Is this is his second year, and his effective field goal percentage really hasn't improved. It's about 48%, the same as it was as a rookie. But his playmaking ability seems to be improving. His assist rate has gone up. Last year was about 21%. This year, about 29%. So he seems to be taking a more active role in the offense, getting his teammates set up for baskets, that sort of thing. And so his offensive rating has gone up by about five points per 100 possessions, although it's still poor. It's still well below average, and he needs to work on that. Um, and now advanced stats suggest he is an average defender. And given he's his size, so he's a six foot five inch point guard, given his size and the fact that he's fairly athletic, I think that means that he could develop into a good or great defender. So given his age, given my bias, given the fact that he has good size for a point guard, I'm going to give a tentative bye for D'Angelo Russell. Bye, bye, bye! Yeah, we're just so the the people know let's get let's dive deeper into this bias what uh what what city do you live in uh it'd be columbus ohio uh where does your wife collect a paycheck from that would be the ohio state university all right so let's just it's not just that you like going to some games <laughs> like there's a, this ohio state bias runs deep in the Quebecco household but i don't that has nothing to do with um, why I disagree with your assessment. So, what is the what's the signature D'Angelo Russell NBA moment? Like, if you think in his two seasons, what has he done? He's pointed to his arm a few times after hitting some threes, but like the the most fa- he's most famous for secretly recording a teammate. You know that's been the biggest thing he's done. Okay, since okay. He's so been... if that's your standard, you you were a buy on Miles Turner. Give me Miles Turner's significant moment in your memory. Anytime I'll, I I'll, look, I'll, I'll up, wait. look him wait. up on StatMuse. No, no, All no, I gotta no, do no. is look up stuff on StatMuse and say, oh, Miles Turner, Miles Turner, Whatever. Miles Turner. His numbers speak for themselves. Okay, but okay. All right. Recording your recording your teammate was a stupid thing, but young mistake. Let's dismiss it, right? Just stupid little mistake shouldn't really affect things. Even though they did, I know you know from my time seeing you know behind the scenes how NBA teams function and stuff. Like it, it, it is very clickish. It can they can ostracize guys, and they said that they did that when that happened. Russell was 
completely cut off from his teammates. They, you know, made him sit by himself at the team breakfast and stuff like that. I mean, that that will affect your play, all right? But new season, he's moved on from that, right? Youthful mistake. Let's leave it at that. But he's a point guard now who has double-digit assists just twice. Like, that's it, which is fine because point guards now can do more scoring, right? Uh, the position is changing, as we discussed in last week's episode on the triple-doubles. But he has three games where he scored 30 or more points, two of which came against Brooklyn, which basically does not count. Everyone puts up numbers against Brooklyn. Um, it's also The Lakers, like the Knicks, have ju- are a complete mess. Um, complete mess of an organization, like with all the buses fighting with each other right now um regardless of what the players say they they do know about that they are aware of things like that it affects their thinking about just their their comfort their stability within the organization he's already gone through multiple coaches um with luke walton who the lakers they're showing a little bit of improvement but not as much as i think they hoped with luke walton but it's still way too early to write him off as a head coach he also took a his development took a huge backseat last year to Kobe's farewell tour, which I know you're gonna take any chance you can to to jump onto Kobe, but you know it's hard to say if any of these external factors had any effect. But he just had he hasn't developed the way a second overall pick with his size, with his skill set that you would hope to. And you're kind of seeing the same thing with uh, Brandon Ingram this year. Like, there's just nothing there. So it may all be just a result of the environment that he's in. I mean, he may have the skills. He may have the talent to be able to be a great player. But unless the Lakers just completely do a 180 and just finally get their crap together, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell on Russell. And I'm going to sell on... Any anyone in the Lakers right now, sort short of Julius Randle, who I think has proven that he's he's a good player, but the 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 Lakers are just a mess like the Knicks, and I don't think Russell has such a next level skill set like Porzingis does, to where I'm comfortable saying yeah he's going to overcome all of this. That's my that's my my take on that. So speaking of dysfunctional organizations. The Philadelphia 76ers, who have had multiple prospects come through in this uh, these last few years. Uh, the one that has gotten the most headlines, of course, is the one who's taken their, their name, their rebuilding nickname as his own, Joel the Process, Joel the Process Embiid, who uh, turns 23 this month, but he's not going to be turning 23 on the court because he is sitting out yet again. Um... But he did show when healthy, even though, you know, as we all know, he missed two seasons in a row with um, broken foot, stress fracture in his back in college, now out with a meniscus tear in his left knee. But when he's shown when he's on the court, the talent is there. The body may not be, but the talent is there. So this season, even playing restricted restricted minutes and skipping back-to-backs and things like that, he averaged 28.7 points per 36 minutes, which is the highest in a season by a rookie since... Probably Wilt. He, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, sorry. And it is second all-time only to Wilt Chamberlain. 
So you're putting when you're on the court, you're putting up numbers that r- rookies have only matched by like arguably the two greatest players in basketball history. He's the first rookie with 20 points a game and two blocks a game since Tim Duncan. All the talent is there. The asterisk. He played like 31 games, though. I mean, come on. I know, but see, all when he was on the court, he was incredible. Next level, good. The problem is, of course, name an injury-riddled big man who overcame stuff like this. Bill Walton. Oh, wait, no. Sam Bowie. No. Ralph Sampson. No. Greg Oden. No. Yeah. That, that, to me, that's the, hu- that's the huge red flag is that... He has had multiple lower body injuries, uh, knee, foot, and it just does not, that's not a good sign for the future when you're this young and having that many problems. Um, you know I, know, I know there are guys that have overcome that, like Yao, for example, had the, the horrible foot problems and was eventually able to overcome them, but... But still, it came. But still, it came back, right? Right. right. Um, Andrew Bynum overcame his injuries for a while, and then eventually they caught up to him. But also, him kind of being a moron might have caught up to him. I mean, Dwight overcame his injury problems. You know, he's still he's not as dominant as he was, but that could just be chalked up to you know age and natural regression more than more than I was anything. Say, he's got a, Dw- he's got a lot of miles on those tires so yeah Dwight but Dwight wasn't necessarily injury prone right he played however many eight seasons or whatever it was in Orlando before the the injuries really started kicking in yeah so well and it's not just like that he's got hurt this year that wouldn't be the concern the concern is he missed the first two seasons of his career yeah two whole seasons you know so it's not like this is the first time something like this has happened and so to me that would be a, a big big concern all right so is it enough of a concern to where you can overlook the good that you've seen man unfortunately i think he's really cool to watch he has the potential to be an amazing player, a great defender. And I just don't think he's going to be able to overcome all these injuries. I'm going to sell. Sell, sell, sell. Oh, man. So I, I love him. Let me. My bias is I think he's my favorite player in the NBA right now. Because, like, I love his personality. I love the jokes about wanting to or learning to shoot from watching white people shoot. I mean, yeah, he's a great, he to, gets a great sense of humor. To, yeah, wanted to be an all-star so we can date Rihanna, like all that kind of stuff. Dancing with cheerleaders. I, he's what the NBA needs. Um, he's a superstar in the in the making. But so, like when I look at, I right, so look at someone like Jabari Parker, right, who looked like a star before his rookie season ended in injury, looked to be building back, was going to be a great number two to uh, Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. They were going to build around, have a core, but then he's out again. And once the injuries start piling up like that, they're often never the same. Like even, you know, once they come back, it's never the same. Ask, you know, ask Derek Rose about that. But Jabari Parker, like to me, is an easy sell, right? He's had the injuries. It's too much of a risk. He's never going to be what we saw the potential that we saw in his rookie season. But with Embiid, like Embiid, even more than anyone else we've talked about, um, save for Towns maybe, just has a ceiling the likes of which we haven't seen. Like could be just some kind of transformational next level of great player. And for that reason, like could I, could you really give up on that? Like the 76ers are going to renew his contract. He's going to get a, 
a big deal and he may never see the court again. But when you have like that level of talent and potential, like I I hold him. I'm going to hold on to Joel Embiid for as long as I can, just praying that he's going to, that he's going to buck the trend. But at the same time, if he if he never sees the court again, I wouldn't be super surprised. I really hope that's not the case. They're, the 76 of course, are saying that this knee thing isn't as big of a deal. And, of course, you know, meniscus tear isn't as big a deal as for a big guy is breaking your foot. But, man, once they start, it's just it's a snowball effect with these big guys. But I'd even if it's just for personal reasons because it's what I want to see, I'm, I'm holding... Joel Embiid and the the process and Sam Hinkie are going to be vindicated. Damn it! Okay, like wait. So gonna... you, you got on my case because I basically picked D'Angelo Russell because I have a soft spot for him. And now the very next player <laughs> we talk about, well, I'm going to hold him because I have a soft spot for him. Okay. I okay. just I just uh, I want I see I how want you are. More than anything, the rules I change. I want more than anything for M- for Embiid to succeed. Is someone trademarked that yet? Um, I want to see him succeed. So, that's what we think. Please, if you disagree, you want to give us your two cents. Uh, if we missed any players you think we should have talked about, hit us up on Twitter. You can go at StatMuse, or you can hit me at, at Chad J. Shanks. Justin is at Jake Batco. Check out our blog at blog.statmuse.com, where we're going to show some of the results to the StatMuse questions that we asked to get some of these stats that we're basing our opinions on and um, as always if you hit this on soundcloud or something like that be sure and subscribe on itunes or google play thank you for listening we really do appreciate it we will catch you on the next episode of stat stories